Hello and welcome to Such Sights to See, the podcast about journeying through cinema with my good friend, the Cliff Booth to my Jack Dalton, Eric. How are you, Eric? I'm okay. How are you? I am good. I am good. My name is Patrick. As most of you know, you should follow along with my movie watching on Letterboxd under Long Monkey. But before that, let's just talk about some movies and stuff. How Have, uh, have you had a good few weeks since last episode, Eric? I've had an okay few weeks. I know you want to do a 2022 wrap-up, which just sounds very painful for me to try to even remember everything <laughs> that happened in the last calendar year. Um, so I'm only going to talk about one movie. Do you want me okay. to start, or did you want to start? Because I know you have a long list. Yeah, let me let me see here. I have uh, 98 films I want to talk about. That's how many movies I watched in 2022. From what? 2022. I'll start with the lowest ranked and work my way up. No, I'm joking. I I did see 98 movies from 2022, but I'm just going to hit some highlights. But why don't you go and talk about yours first? Well, this is something that I know you've seen and I believe you talked about on the podcast already. Mm -hmm. Um, It was actually something I forgot to talk about a couple weeks ago. Mm. So it's the movie Bodies, Bodies, Bodies by Helena, Mm -hmm. I'm assuming Rain, but I could be way mispronouncing that. There's a J, a stray J in there. I don't know what it's going <laughs> um, Those rogue Js. Yeah. Uh, about a group of 20-somethings who decide to have a hurricane party, which is, yay, we all might die. Let's have a party. <laughs> it's, I, love, I love that attitude. That's what I call gumption. Yep. Um, they play a game called Bodies, 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 which is basically a murder mystery party game. But the game is kind of flipped upside down when one of the participants actually dies. And the rest of the movie is spent trying to figure out who done it. Um, I have mixed thoughts on this movie, but one thing I really liked was I, first of all, it's a decent car horror comedy, a car comedy hmm, that <laughs> tries and mostly I thought succeeded at saying something about whatever we're calling this generation. Um, right. I really loved that it was very cynical. And it kind of went hard at excorciating some of the issues with woke culture, which I really hate saying as a 40-something cisgender white male, um, because it makes me sound like I don't agree with, you know, wokeism. I just hate the term. It's such a stupid term to (laughs) denigrate people who just want everyone to have dignity and be free to feel uh, live their lives the way they are. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there are, like any kind of culture, some kind of toxic elements when it gets taken too far. And I saw yes. a lot of criticism of some of those elements in this movie, mainly like the kind of slacktivistic nature of let's all mm-hmm. change our uh, Facebook profile picture to Paris flags or the Orlando you know, pride flag or something, but you're not really doing anything. So there was some kind of statements about that. And I also thought... Uh, my personal interpretation was there was a lot of finger pointing after the murder happens mm-hmm. um, and not a lot of people actually trying actively to solve it instead of saying you did it. And here's why I know you did it, if that makes right. sense. And that reminded me of a lot of kind of the rush to cancel people. Oh, okay. Um, and just like looking for, I feel like a lot of times there's a rush to like somebody makes a mistake or misspeaks and there's kind of a rush to jump on them and point out everything that's wrong with that without like kind of clarifying or giving them a chance or telling them why they may or may not should, should or should not have said something. Right, and and right. I thought that parts of this movie really resonated with that kind of, perhaps toxic portion of, you know, woke culture. Yeah. That's a good, interesting way of looking at it. I agree with you. I felt like that, that finger pointing scene. There's a one scene where they're really, uh, they're really talking to each other about what's going on. I felt that scene was very heavy handed, but otherwise I liked the movie a lot. I thought it was directed really well too. The, the nighttime, Mm -hmm. especially. So, yeah, I thought it was interesting. And to be clear, most of the people who have gotten canceled, like 100% deserved it and should have been yes. canceled a long time ago. But sometimes Agreed. you hear stories about someone who said something dumb, you know, 
uh, or a teenager said something dumb and you're just like yeah he made a mistake why are we ruining this person's life or mm. holding them to today's standards from something 50 years ago I know. which is like yeah we should have known better in the 70s right but i don't think i'm not the same person i was two years ago so I know, why are definitely we... would have been canceled <laughs> I, I i should have been canceled for <laughs> yeah. sure me like, too me too generation that through the F word, and I'm not talking about everyone's four favorite four letter word, the mm. F-H-E word around as like an everyday insult without even thinking that was homophobic. Somehow in the 90s, that was a thing. And now yeah. I look back and I cringe. But, you know, and that's not defending anything that happened, you know, in the 80s, 90s, 70s, uh, the 1860s. Like, right. but you, you have to have some kind of people didn't know some things were wrong. So you mm -hmm. have to have some kind of like concept of like, yes, we recognize that's effed up. Now we've made progress and we still have to make so much more progress, right. but I'm not going to hold like a 90 year old person uh, accountable for something they said when they were 12, which was perfectly fine for those times. Understand. That doesn't make yeah. it right, but it's no, like, no. you have to have some kind of like consideration. And I thought that this movie kind of talked about some of that a little bit. Yes, yes, and I didn't really like how it wrapped up as well. And the, yet the, the resolution is the perfect exclamation point of, yeah, maybe you should have, like, I, I don't want to spoil it. Right, right, but it's a good ending. It's a good ending. <laughs> All right, um, well, is there anything else you want to touch on before I jump into some no. 2022 madness? Sure. Jump in. All right, 2022 I saw 98 movies. I'm not going to talk about them all. I'm just going to uh, rattle off some of my four-star favorites that I think people should watch. Uh, Emily the Criminal with Aubrey Plaza. It's a cool movie where she plays a woman kind of uh, – she had, she had an assault charge in her history, and she's having trouble uh, paying off her debts and getting a real job, and she falls in with this credit card scam that starts to take over her life. Very, very cool, very good performance. Uh, oh, I'll talk about three animated films because I know you love those. Oh, yay. Let me just the, take a nap. Hold on. <laughs> the Sea Beast, Turning Red, which I've talked about on the podcast previously, both beautiful movies. And then Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Stop Motion. Are you a fan of Stop Motion, at least? Uh, I'm a fan when we do it. <laughs> okay. Yes. Well, it's, uh, again... And like all Del Toro movies, it's a little bit horror, a little bit uh, uh, beautiful drama. It's it's lovely little film. Um, Bad City, really cool uh, Yakuza martial arts movie from Japan. Demigod, The Legend Begins. I talked about this, I believe, at the Fantastic Fest episode. It is a the uh, traditional Taiwanese puppets used to make a movie. Does that count as animated? Oh, that's a mm, mm. <laughs> because they're puppets. You have with, to think you know, about it. It's like you know, live action with toys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I did love Team America: World Police. Team so America, I'm going to allow gonna it. Say. Okay, cool. Maybe we'll get you to watch that someday. Uh, Chop and Steel, which I think you'd like a lot, documentary about the uh, found footage guys and their fake morning show characters that they got on live TV. Very and then they got sued. Very very fun movie. That's the, about found, friendship. Found footage guys. Yeah, they they do the uh, found footage festival. They go around uh, putting on a show where they show footage from all these weird VHS tapes that they collect. I recommend going to a show. They do it all over the country. If you can find one near you, uh, it is very fun. Just watching all this weird stuff that they have found. So one of their side projects was to make up these fake characters and get them on morning TV shows because the morning news shows they thought were just so dumb and never checked anything that they were kind of just wanted to see how how far they could go with these pranks. Is this like <clears throat> that Instagram account that you follow, but for real? Yeah. <laughs> so they, they made these characters chop and steal, which are strong men, and they do not look like strong men. So they go on the morning show and they do these routines where like they crush baskets with their feet <laughs> or they uh, 
they chop like kindling sticks in half. And it's, it's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. And they just kind of see how far they can take it. Um, oh, I know. You, I don't know if you saw this yet. Pearl. I really want to. I still haven't. So X was this year as well. X is a three and a half star movie. Pearl, I thought was a four star movie. Such a oh. great fitting combo of movies. I really loved them both. A prequel better than the original. Yeah, I think it just, uh, I don't know. It's just maybe because it kind of conceptualizes the both movies, just having the second one there that I really, mm -hmm. I really liked. Uh, and of course, I think this might be the first time in history that I, well, I liked a movie like this better than you. Top Gun Maverick. It was fun. <laughs> Four stars, man. They don't make them like this anymore as they it say was too pandering and they definitely ripped off the star wars uh trench run which is i don't know if you know this story i probably told it on the last podcast when we talked about it mm -hmm. one of the stories is how the uh i believe it was the producer who is someone famous that i can't remember uh got the idea for top gun because he was in a dentist's office reading a magazine article about star wars and he said, what oh. if we did this, but not in space, basically? Oh, okay. I did not know that. That's and interesting. The end of Maverick is literally the trench run down to a two-meter exhaust port that they have to shoot with their missiles. It is. And I didn't realize that, but it's just done so well. I mean, and it's really cool. And but engrossed it, the whole time. And It felt pandery to me. It felt like there's a happy medium, say, a, a movie like Prey does, where it pays an homage to the uh, first Predator movie. But it also like kind of does twists and turns. This one felt like too on the nose to me. And things were in there that didn't feel natural. The only thing that I might agree with the you on is the, the piano scene. That's the only one, though. Besides that, it felt um, a throwback more than a, a copy. Okay. I mean, that's fair. Um, okay, now it's time for the, the the best of the best. Well, the four and a half star movies. There's only a few of them. And I think uh, one of them we watched together, The Northman. Oh, yeah, that was a great movie. Yeah, I that one's it. just, I love the commitment to the authenticity, the mythic, legendary feel, feel and just Willem Dafoe going crazy on screen. Oh, Willem Dafoe. Uh, <laughs> one of my most used animated GIF figures. <laughs> yes. Uh, did you see everything everywhere all at once? No, I really, <laughs> I did almost try to watch it specifically for this episode and then, you know, just didn't. Yeah, there's not much like five feet away from me, though. <laughs> there's not much I can say about it that hasn't been said. Just the sheer amount of imagination they pack into two hours is incredible. I, I can't believe they made this movie. It is. Um full of so many ideas they could have made a hundred movies out of it and it's a mess at times but it really works surprisingly well for what it is yeah nobody i know who has seen this movie has anything other than glowing reviews to say about it so i'll probably hate it yeah i know <laughs> it's gonna be your, your the, the next top gun for you <laughs> <laughs> i don't just like top gun <laughs> well no you know just another movie that everyone loves and you hate <laughs> that's true like Avatar. Uh, so how was that? Well, we'll get there. We'll get oh, there. No. Uh, if this is a five-star movie, I am going to drive to New Jersey immediately <laughs> and throw you off of your dome. Did you see it? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did see it, and I will tell you it's a four-and-a-half-star movie. It is I guess really I good. <laughs> what, what would you give the first one? Five stars. I just watched the first one before this. Live Action Burn Gully was five stars. Yes. So here's Live the thing. Live Action Blue Dances with Wolves was five <laughs> stars. Yes. It's because mostly of for the technical competence, the world building, the knowledge of how to execute action scenes and how so to set the So are you crediting you know, having sex with everything with your hair as world building or is that? That's part of the world building, yes. And okay. you and I wish we could do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have hair. 
<laughs> yes, me neither. So that's well, that would why. be like Unix. We would be Unix in Avatar world. <laughs> we would. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. That makes me sad because the new one uh, just expands that world. It's like Pandora feels like a real place. You know, you get to visit the oceans in this one and hang out with space whales and just the there's like an hour long section in the middle where you're just learning about this new part of the world. And yeah, it's beautiful. It's immersive and the special effects are incredible. Like it really, it really is amazing. It's and, like Ken Burns in space. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, oh man, I saw it in the uh, Dolby cinema 3d and totally worth it. I, I was just so impressed that this place exists in in people's imaginations, and now it exists almost in real life. That's what it looks like. It mm. feels so real. So, besides special effects, the movie's solid. It's not like you know a great great story or anything like that, but it it again sets the stakes well. It again has really well executed action scenes and. It's just enjoyable to watch all the way through for three three hours and ten minutes or whatever it is. Oh my god! <laughs> I, honestly, you should see it in a theater. I mean, I don't know how you can not be excited for like James Cameron making the most expensive movie ever made. <laughs> you know, it's like he's one of the well, best. Well, because I've seen everything after their... like True Lies. You you. <laughs> I actually don't remember what he's made. After True Lies, but it was just Titanic and Avatar. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> yeah, so I've seen everything after True Lies. Yeah, I know, but all right. Well, I love both those. Titanic and Avatars are five stars for me. Oh my God! <laughs> Avatar two. I just wish the story You're was a little like better. One of my French girls right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I wish that it um, concentrated less on Jake Sully, who. Uh, is like the worst character in the movie. Jake Sully. <laughs> Jake Sully, yes. <laughs> yes. Jack Sully. <laughs> the white savior we needed. <laughs> All right, there's two more movies that got the four and a half stars. Uh, one you may... Uh, three more movies, actually. Barbarian, which talked about I recently. I... I took the wrong one out of the library because there's another movie, Barbarian, <laughs> starring, um, oh my God, I can't think of his name, Ramsey <laughs> Snow, Ewan, yeah. Ewan, whatever his name is. Uh, yeah, I yeah. love that guy. Um, but I was like, wait, this isn't the right movie when I got home with the DVD. <laughs> oh. What was it? Was it any good? It's, it's either called Barbarian or Barbarians. Mm-hmm. I didn't even watch it. I just like noticed immediately. I was like, wait, this is a different font and it's yellow. Uh, I don't think this is the right movie. And then I looked at it and I was like, this isn't about the same thing at all. So I didn't <laughs> bother to watch it. Oh, uh, well it's uh you'll watch it someday. It's save it for your, uh, your Michigan horror uh, shows that you put on every Halloween. It's a good one. I will. Uh, I talked about this other movie, hundreds of beavers on one of our previous episodes from the director of Michigan Lake Monster or whatever that movie's called. Yes. Yeah. Just another movie full of imagination that I cannot believe was made and was entertaining. Have you <laughs> just, watched the Lake Michigan Monster yet? I have not. No, I'm looking no. forward to it though. <laughs> I recommend it. It's really quirky. Well, so is this one. So yeah, it's uh, I'll definitely check it out. And then, the last four and a half star movie, which maybe you've seen, everyone's seen it, Glass Onion. I haven't, but I want to. Okay, cool. Well, another movie I mean, to it's add not to Star Wars, so it's probably actually a pretty good movie from Ryan Johnson. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's very good. It doesn't quite have the heart or the weight that Knives Out did, but it's got an incredibly clever script and it's very funny, and it's got more Benoit Blanc. So what more can you ask for? So I have a question. Um, so he named the first movie after a Radiohead song. And the second yes. movie is named after a Beatles song. Mm-hmm. Has he said, because I don't you know, read or watch a lot of interviews, has he said, like, why? 
I don't know about Knives Out, but he mentioned that the the I don't remember the details as to why he picked Glass Onion, but he did mention that there are some lyrical uh, references within the script that tie to the song. So I don't know if, which came first, the movie or the song. Hmm. Well, obviously the song. <laughs> well, yes, yes. In the conception of the movie is what I meant. <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I wonder what he'll pick next, which British juggernaut of rock and roll. Yeah, right. My vote, Stones. I would go with some Zeppelin. Okay, we'll see. We'll, we will reconvene at some point, and uh, the winner will get something cool. Probably not. <laughs> All right, two movies got five stars, Eric. Whoa. Two the coveted movies. long monkey. The coveted long monkey. <laughs> I have given two movies my oh, long the monkey. Peel of approval. <laughs> the peel of approval. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, that's awesome. Yes, two movies got the peel of approval this year, which is up. Usually it's one movie or zero movies that get the coveted five-star rating. I'm very oh. picky with it. Uh, one of which I've mentioned before, I doubt you have watched yet. It is the SS Rajamuli epic RRR. I have not, but I'm interested. I've heard good things yeah, from it's... more people than you. It really is amazing. It really is. Uh, I was watching some video online, top movies of the year, and and the guy was talking about RRR and how it was hyped up so much. And there was no possible way that he would like it. And he watched it, and he's like, okay, yeah, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's that type of movie. And then the other one I just saw in the theater. <gasps> yeah. Have you been to the theater recently? Unfortunately, no. Mm. Well, I watched another movie that was only two hour, two minutes shorter than Avatar 2. <laughs> Babylon, Damien Chazelle. Oh, I did love La La Land. Yeah. This, this hasn't like... done well. And, you know, honestly, I hadn't even heard of it until there was a controversy about, like, it not doing well. Mm. What's so the controversy? It's a marketing problem. Just that it didn't do well. Like, mm. I think it. I think it was not controversy. I think it was like, um, surprise. The female lead in it, Margot Robbie. Yeah, Margot Robbie. Like, maybe it was two movies or three movies in a row that haven't done well or something like that. Mm. I don't know. Okay. It was something really silly. Well, this this movie, I could not. I didn't know much going in. I knew it was just about old Hollywood. I did not know how off the wall crazy it was going to be bacchanalia for three hours like seriously this is wolf of wall street level craziness <laughs> it it was amazing uh not just because of that but also because of the just the dynamic direction this story that takes all these characters like from the beginning of an era at its height to the end of the era and the nostalgia it makes you feel for that era and how it affects all these people. And it's about the silent movies. I mean, I love it. I, I, it's like a movie made for me, just insane craziness about the silent movie era for three hours. So it's Damien Chazelle. Is it also a musical? No, but there's a lot of like, uh, it's got a great score. And there's definitely a lot of music-driven scenes, like montages or scenes that really hinge on the, on the music. Yeah, it's not a musical though. You can't beat a montage, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, but I, I highly recommend it. I wish I saw it in the cheap theater on a Tuesday, cheap tickets, and with all the elderly people who go to the cheap ticket crowd, cheap ticket shows, and hey, there were walkouts. <laughs> there were several walkouts. One person stood up and loudly said, I can't take this end movie anymore. <laughs> and then left. <laughs> um, I wish I saw it in it like an IMAX. This is like that level of, of beauty on screen. Crazy, man. Wow. I, I cannot believe that he made this movie. It's like he was like never going to make a movie again. It's like I'm doing it all. <laughs> Put it on screen. Good for him. Has he done other things besides this in La La Land? Yeah, he did. He's insanely uh, young, isn't he? He's definitely young. I don't know how, how what his age is. 
Whiplash was his first big one. Oh, right. I haven't seen that either. It's a great one. Yeah, I love Whiplash. I, I've lo- all three of his movies I've loved. I have not seen his uh, other I've one, seen First the Man. Drum solo. Mm. First Man is the other one you did with Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Not seen that. And he did uh, a indie black and white musical. That was his first uh, film, which hmm. I have not seen. Yeah, I did not see First Man either. So yeah, that's my kind of year in review. Oh, I did want to mention the worst movie of the year. I'm not going to harp on like multiple bad movies, but there's a couple I rated one and a half. Don't need to talk about those, but there's one movie you got one star. <gasps> and, and it was like a Hollywood movie that you and I both watched. I told you not to watch it. We watched it anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, you have poor judgment sometimes. That's true. It was Judd Apatow's Bubble. Oh, God, yeah. That was <laughs> real bad. That's my worst movie of the year. I... So the story that I remember, I've tried to block it out, but uh, my wife and I were watching it, and we were like, this has to be almost over. How far are we into this? And we paused Netflix. <laughs> and it's like, isn't it long? Isn't it two, two and a half hours long or something? Yeah, it's like the usual like Judd Apatow length. Longer, yeah, longer than... An Apatow comedy is longer than it should be and longer than comedies generally are. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were 42 minutes in and we were convinced we had to be almost two hours. And it was <laughs> just awful. Yep. All right, well, let's, uh, I'll end it on that downer note. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Yeah. But uh, 2023, haven't seen any movies yet from 2023, but I am... Looking forward to it. The year should bring something good, I'm sure. We fingers crossed. Actually, I did see two 2023 movies. I'm looking in Letterboxd. Wow. At the Fantastic Fest. Apparently, these movies were not released until 2023. But uh, nothing worthwhile to talk about yet. Yeah, <laughs> oh, cool. Pointless segue. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Speaking of segues, do you want to talk about what this podcast is really about? This podcast is really about John Pogue movies. We're switching it up. (laughs) We're just going to do John Pogue from now on. Yep, the Pogue cast. (laughs) Oh, it's a Pogue cast. (laughs) Yes. Oh, there's a Pogo joke in there somewhere, too. (laughs) So we're going to Pogo our way on to Eraser Reborn which is the story of U.S. Marshal Marcus Pollard, who's assigned to protect Rena Kamira, the wife of a crime boss turned state's evidence. And then he does the obvious thing, fakes her death, and places her in hiding in South Africa. When a dirty agent threatens the life of his charge, Pollard has no choice but to call on his legion of animal companions to make sure he and Rena aren't <laughs> erased from life. It's James Bond meets Crocodile Dundee in South Africa in this modern-day action masterpiece. Oh, wow. That's great. That's a great description of this movie, except for the masterpiece part, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I actually did enjoy the movie. It was ridiculous. It has some of the worst CGI I think I've ever seen in my life. I'm pretty sure I've seen high school videos shot on an iPhone that had better CGI (laughs) than a couple of the explosions. Yeah, um, yeah, the CGI, the the budget did betray itself. Yes, and I mean the acting was so bad, but I couldn't mm. tell if it was intentional, or like, and everyone was just leaning super hard into acting like they were in like a Trey Parker and Matt Stone movie or <laughs> what. But it was like Team America. That's two times I'm referencing this movie in this podcast, by the way. Um, <laughs> like level of acting. That's, they were all acting like they were in a live-action Team America, I thought. Just really selling out. Hmm. I laughed yeah. so much. I, I agree with the acting for sure. I don't know. I, it didn't bother me. I didn't think it was bad acting. It just kind of bland, bland acting, I guess. They were into it. These people <laughs> loved what they were doing. I thought the only good actor was the, the woman, Jackie Lai. Yeah. The woman was so funny how they were all treating her all the time, I thought. <laughs> there were multiple times where... So she doesn't want to be in their program. Right, And she right. says, I don't want to be in this. 
And then there's a weird scene where the cartel or whatever criminal organization it is, they're like, they seem vaguely, you know, Latin American or something, right? Right. Yeah, um, yeah. Just vague enough to not offend anybody. Yeah, just vague <laughs> enough to not, like, not be sure it's a cartel, but it's a cartel, I think. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, they try to kill her with these, like, weird, creepy baby masks. <laughs> yes. And the eraser shows up, and you think, oh, God, are they actually going to kill this woman? But it's the eraser because he took a baby mask when he was, like, trying to save her and was like, see what could happen? Remember this. You're in the program now. So they, like, force her into this program that she right. said she didn't want to be in, and they keep saying, you're using us, because she's, like, kind of a slimy heroine who's, like, definitely mm-hmm. shady and trying to do her own, like, yeah. heisty kind of thing by getting money with this, yeah, whatever, whatever the MacGuffin of the movie is. Um, but yeah, yeah, I just laughed every time she's not using you. You are forcing her to be here and she's trying to get away from you. <laughs> right, right. That is very true. I didn't really think about that because, you know, the mechanics of the plot had, eventually were going to get her into the program. So I just accepted that she was going to be in it no matter what. Oh yeah. It's definitely part of the premise. I just thought they were funny, like yelling at her for taking advantage of them when they were forcing her. <laughs> yes, that is true. <laughs> um, I mean, this is uh, this definitely smacks of direct-to-video action movie. There's a whole industry of these that usually have, you know, has been uh, stars or kind of modern under-the-radar martial arts stars, or in this case, uh, a tie to a semi-famous Arnold Schwarzenegger movie which I thought was the weirdest thing, like to connect this movie to the original. They had no real reason to do that except because they needed uh, to market it somehow. Yeah. Th- so I had a question cause this is one of Schwarzenegger's like mid to late nineties movies that I probably saw and just don't remember because they were all very forgettable after a certain yeah. point, mm-hmm. even though I was in love with him. Um, so is that what the eraser does like they they fake kill people and then set them up in witness protection is that what the first one was about yeah that's exactly what the first one's about and then it's about um it kind of follows the same uh outline where there was somebody in the program who was going to betray the witnesses and the eraser is the only good guy who can stop them and they have to protect a specific witness, you know, that has whatever MacGuffin information they mm-hmm. is needed. <laughs> this is the most formulaic plot, I think. Yes. <laughs> ever. <laughs> yeah, it pretty much is. You could close your eyes and know exactly what's going to happen in this movie. Except for the animal murders. <laughs> <laughs> well, once, once movie- was insane because can we just talk about the end of this movie like the last 20 minutes when one guy is killed by a hippopotamus yes uh so the eraser owns his own home on a wildlife refuge maybe he he said that he bought this uh like refuge farm and then he tried to get rid of all the animals and some of them stayed like did he just open the gates and be like go away animals (laughs) yeah yeah that's it was something like something weird like that so you know he's fleeing with this woman through this river and he like comes upon a hippo and you're like oh cool that's dangerous now he's trapped but he's like friends with it and the hippo lets them pass and then when the bad guys catch up a minute later it like just eats one and i'm like oh that's like kind of a fun thing to happen once Right, once. <laughs> once. And then <laughs> the end, you know, he's facing off against the his fellow agent, and the fellow agent is speared by a rhinoceros in the back. Yes. <laughs> we have to state that the, apparently the cartel was also uh, selling exotic animals, so that's where the climax takes place, uh, where there's like a rhino being sent somewhere. And of course they fight on top of the rhino's cage and all this crazy stuff. And the whole time I'm just like, rhino, 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 please let someone get killed by the rhino. (laughs) (laughs) Your wish was granted. Yes. Yes. (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, with horrible CGI, unfortunately. But horrible CGI. <laughs> but you know, I knew it was going to happen, and I was happy when it happened. And I guess that's what movies are supposed to do, right? Yeah. Sometimes there is pleasure in the expected. Yes. Yes. So I, you know, I enjoyed watching it. Kind of like it's a throwaway movie. I would... If you want to watch a really bad action movie, yeah, give give it a watch. It's great. <laughs> I mean, it's a horrible, dumb movie, but it is bad enough to be really enjoyable. You can do a lot worse with direct-to-video sequels, yeah, or of whatever you did. Just anything that uh, starred, you know. Um, this is way better than anything Steven Seagal's Steven done. Gar- yeah, I was just going to say Mark Steven Joe. Seagal. Yep. Or Glimmerman, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I still gave it, uh, I gave it two stars. thought it was a... I think that's fair. Like, if I were rating this purely on enjoyment out of a scale of five, I'd give it a three and a half or four. But as a movie, like, yeah, it's pretty dumb. We should three take and a half, three. We should take a little sidebar to talk about, like, I, you know, star ratings are not important. I enjoy doing it because it gives me something to talk about and yeah. keep track of in my head. But do you like that always comes up? Like when I watch a bad movie that I loved, I'm like, man, what do I rate this? Do I rate it a four? <laughs> you know, like the right. room. What do I rate the room? I, I end up, you know, uh, not rating it because I'm like, it's a five star movie in my mind. But <laughs> I think, and this is uh, just a, and off the top of my head, uh, kind of preliminary thing that I would way overthink because there is no good answer to this question. Mm-hmm. But I think you have to go with the intent or try to figure out what the intent of the movie is yeah, and rate yeah. it based on that. But it's perfectly fine. like Because The Room, I don't think he was trying to make a shitty movie. No, not at all. You know, like he didn't realize what he was doing. So he did not accomplish his goals. Yes. Um, so I don't know, like, yeah, I get what you're saying. There is an enjoyment factor and like an artistic merit or whatever kind of factor, like a, the art of film. Um, and there's, there's a balance there. There are some that are like kind of both or I don't know. I think, I think I've come to a decision just talking to you. I think that my letterbox reviews don't matter. The star rating, no one cares about, but me. So I'm going to rate it based on my enjoyment of the film, which usually is about how good the movie is. But there are those exceptions, like The Room, mm-hmm. which is horrible. That. Or like one of mine would be Event Horizon. It is a horrible movie that I just love watching. Yeah. Yeah, there are movies like that for me as well. So I'm just going to rate rate them how I liked it. you know. And this one, I still liked it about two stars. <laughs> <laughs> But, well, that's just your opinion, man. Yep, yep. Well, is there anything else you want to say about Eraser Reborn? Uh, let me check my notes. Oh, I don't have this. Anything about John Pogue? Uh, you know, I just can't wait to move on to his next uh, thrilling entry, Ghost Ship. <laughs> Ghost Ship. Yeah, that's what we're talking about next episode on the podcast, right? Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> Ghost we could ship. do Ball if you want. No, no, let's do Ghost Ship. That's his most popular. Mm. It also has a better cast. Gabriel Byrne, mm. he's not going to be wooden. <laughs> Look at the Ghost Ship cover art. That's a great poster. Yeah. Let's not describe it. <laughs> no. <laughs> You'll have to see it for yourselves, Internet. Let's just silently admire it for a few seconds. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, you want to talk about the uh, movie inspired by Eraser Reborn that you watched? Yes, and I have a – I lied about – not having notes a minute ago. I have extensive notes for this film, so if you'll please bear with me as I describe The Wrath of Man by Guy Ritchie from 2021. Have you seen this? I have not seen it. Why why, why was this an inspiration? 
I want to even so know this was about. an inspiration because I was originally looking for like um government assassin kind of programs like you oh, know okay. black ops kind of deal. This is not that at all, but this came up like in oh you know what I wanted to watch the transporter. That's what happened. Oh okay. <laughs> wasn't available free on prime and i was like i don't know i love me some statham but i can watch wrath of man for free on prime yeah and it was I mean, also in like i think it was in the if you wanted the transporter you may also like section for right right story. um so let me describe the plot of this movie and please hold all comments an armored car is attacked by and two guards and some bystanders are shot and killed when things go sideways Five months later, Jason Statham is Patrick Hill, nicknamed H, because none of the characters in this movie are witty or smart, and all of them are annoying. Patrick Hill works for Fortico, an armored car company. He barely got the job due to his less-than-stellar training, but when his truck is attacked, H takes out an entire team of hardened criminals with ease. Where did he get those skills? Well, let's go back a minute, or five months as they do in the movie jason statham <laughs> is really mason hargreaves some kind of career criminal slash crime boss it's not really specifically said whose son dougie is killed in an armored car heist a heist that mason was also scouting at the time mason hargreaves himself is left for dead only to awaken three weeks later of course his wife leaves him after the loss of their son in his grief and rage, Mason Hargreaves goes on a bloody tear through the criminal underworld in search of the people responsible for the heist and his son's death, but comes up empty-handed. Okay, back to five months later, or maybe eight months, when Mason Hargreaves is Patrick Hill again, who is working at Fortico under an assumed identity to figure out who the inside man is. That's right, for some reason. The only reasonable conclusion after torturing and murdering nearly the entire criminal underworld is that it has to be an inside job. So he's, so that's what he's doing, and not making any progress. Meanwhile, five <laughs> or, or eight months ago, a group of veterans are having trouble adjusting to life as civilians after their experiences in Afghanistan and decide they have no other options but to lean into a hard life of crime. After not making enough money stealing from one of their bosses, they decide to knock off an armored car, and we see the murder of Dougie and Mason Hargreaves getting shot and left for dead. Okay. Back again to five to eight months in the future, which is now the present, and it's Black Friday. And this team of vets is going to hit Fortico's entire truck depot for a huge score. Hill slash Hargreaves has made no progress in three months in figuring out who the inside man is. But fortunately for him, the inside man just tells him in the truck on the day of the heist. So, insert machine guns and dumb plot twists and people doing idiotic things, meticulously planned, convoluted, and nonsensicalized of an armored car depot, and that's the Wrath of Man. Wow. I described it that way because as I was watching it, it's such a con it's told in such like this convoluted, disjointed fashion, and I think it's to cover up that it really has a paper thin plot. And I love revenge movies. Right. But this was just so dumb. Uh, that's unfortunate. Because like the first, the, the movie is told, um, I think Guy Ritchie does this a fair amount of time with like a title card introducing the, the title he has for this portion of the movie. So there's like yes. four sections. Mm -hmm. um, and the first one was really cool because that was this guy, Jason Statham, being Jason Statham, like applying to be a security guard. You don't know what's going on. Um, he's like, they say several times, you know, you're not really good, but you're doing just enough to pass this, you know, audition kind of thing. And then the truck gets hit and all of a sudden he's like a super soldier and you're like, wait, what's going on here? <laughs> and that's when they cut to a different part. And, like, so every time you get interested in something, uh, it, like, takes a hard turn. Right, right. And then you start to get invested. Like, all of these plots are kind of cool on their own, right? But but mixing the plot of, you know, um, security guard, or not security guard, father getting revenge for his son's death, or group of army vets pursuing crime, like, those both sound like cool movies, but you put them together and they, like didn't work mm -hmm. 
you never got to know in those kind of movies you have to get to know the characters and like know why they care and why they're doing what they're doing to have right. empathy yeah. for any of them and right. you never right. get a chance to do that hmm. and even like when i think about the these things the mason hargreaves slash hill character they want you to empathize with him but they make a couple what i i would view as mistakes first of all like he's a career criminal there's a weird fbi subplot in here that i'll get to in a second <laughs> oh god there's more um, plot because <laughs> they've been following him for 25 years and why aren't we busting this guy and it's not really explained andy garcia plays this fbi agent who's like knows it, he's shown with hill but we have no idea why he's cooperating with him or why these underlings aren't just like reporting their boss who has to be crooked because there's no other reason to not bust this guy once they figure out who he is but regardless of that um we know that he's like this hardened criminal he does horrible things pursuing his son's death but the only reason his son is there is because he's also planning to knock off this armored car he's not an empathetic character like mm -hmm. you got your son killed basically right right you guys did the same thing you were going to do and it's shown throughout the movie that jason statham's character after his son dies is this ruthless horrible like he tortures so many innocent people and tortures them and you kind of see the aftermath of this and you're just like i don't want this guy to succeed That's not something a hero should be doing, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I well, law-abiding citizen. Like, you have empathy for that character because it's he's doing horrible things in torturing these people who, who killed him. But in this case, he's torturing people because he thinks they might know who killed his son. But he doesn't know that, and he's literally torturing whole gangs of people to death. Right, right. And it was kind of his fault that his son was where he was because he was trying to hit the same truck. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so it's like, if you think about it for two seconds, that's, I don't have empathy for this man. Like, yeah, sure, it's horrible that his son died. His son was also in his 20s. Oh, so it's not really like a dead kid. So it's like, if he didn't know his dad was a career criminal and had benefited from his dad being like this super wealthy crime Lord, he's an idiot. So he probably knew and was like benefiting from this life his whole life. So mm -hmm. I don't know. You don't, you don't get to know those characters enough before his son dies to like know anything besides, okay, dad, dad, son, like they're not earning any of these things that could be like emotionally impactful or explain the actions right. of some of the characters. Okay. Yeah. So this movie, yeah, I like Guy Ritchie. I like his style. Uh, not so much as Hollywood stuff, but you know, like snatch and Lockstock. The, uh, I really liked rock and roll. Like he has just a mm -hmm. cool style and Jason Statham, such a cool charismatic guy that I assumed teaming them up again would just be uh, automatic three stars at least, you know? <laughs> he doesn't let Statham Statham in this. Statham mm. has like this kind of, uh, he's such a straight man, like humor. You know, uh, he can be funny and charismatic yeah. and still be Statham-ing, you know, yes. just kind of that like hard-boiled, right. you know, strong, silent type. Um, he does, is not allowed to be that. He is just without humor. I guess it sounds like the plot is too heavy for for Guy Ritchie and Jason Statham's usual talents. Like I can't like Jason Statham's always doing like solid action stuff, but he's never like had to deal with like a dead son, you know? <laughs> that yeah. I've know of. Like that's maybe a little too dramatic for like what he's good at. And same mm -hmm. thing with Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie has always been good when he's gotten clever and had some fun fun visuals and stuff like that. Yeah, and the action scenes were, like, pretty well done. I was really into this movie for that first scene. Mm -hmm. um, but then even to think back at that scene, his whole plan is, like, getting in to this Fortico company 
and yeah. figuring out who the mole is, which he does not do. And they do not even show him trying to do that. Like <laughs> there's these shots of him looking at time cards and stuff. And you know that he's doing that, but like there's never any evidence that he's really like talking to these people or figuring mm-hmm. out who the mole is, or it just like skips to three months and the mole literally tells him I'm the mole. Right. <laughs> uh, that, that I hate. That reminds me of like just lazy writing. I've seen that in other yeah. movies. But, you, you know, to get back to the lazy writing, in that first portion, it's made clear several times that he is barely scraping by in his, like, job interview, basically. Because he's not hired. He, you see him get hired by the company. Right. And they keep making remarks like, oh, shooting, you need a 70 to pass. You got a 71. You know, you got to pick it up. You got to do this better. You got to do this. And they're like, all right, you made it by the skin of your teeth. I get not wanting to be a Superman. Right. But at least make it a but little. It makes no sense to be like, I'm barely good enough to work for you. <laughs> right. Like, you need to get this job. What was his plan if he got a 69 instead of a 70? Yeah. What if they're like, you know what? We got a better candidate, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's not even one of those things where they give the audience like a little Easter egg or a, mm-hmm. a wink that he's doing this on purpose. I think it's clearly just to make the audience surprised when he, you know, eliminates the entire other robbing squad. Mm-hmm. But robbing squad, I, I like that. Yeah, the rob squad. <laughs> the rob squad. Which was oh god, who was it? Post Malone was like the head of the, <laughs> the this group of like eight to ten guys that he just wipes out. Oh wow. Well, it was pretty great to see him. That's, that's you know, that's fun. <laughs> the other thing that I did laugh at, I won't hold it against this movie, but I was just like, this is one city in one company and their armored cars get taken like three times in less than a year. <laughs> yeah. Get a new, like, hire a new armored car company. <laughs> if armored cars were that susceptible to this kind of thing happening, I don't think there would be an armored car industry. People would just figure it out. <laughs> it's like we're it's, losing $2 million every three months. There's got to be a better way. Yes. It's like they're living in Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> it, they literally are. That's what they make it seem like. And I'm like, I don't know, man. This seems crazy. <laughs> uh, what a shame. You know, reading this and description. You know, if you have an inside man, why are you even breaking into this depot during the day when they're open and every guard is there? Right, right. There's easier ways to Wouldn't do it. You wait till everybody went home. Uh huh. <laughs> like I mean, that, that's harder to light. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So reading this description, it reminds me of um, the Viggo Mortensen movie. Um, Eastern Promises? No, the other one. A History of Violence? <laughs> yes, thank you. History of Violence. Where he's just, uh, you know, kind of an everyman who, um, after during a robbery, does some crazy cool stuff, and people are like, whoa, <laughs> where, 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 what were you in your other life? <laughs> yeah. And, that, and that's, uh, is that kind of what it is, except, uh, you know, there, there are reasons that he's doing it? Kind of, yeah. There's a little. I didn't put that together because a history of violence I remember really enjoying, and I yeah. did not so much enjoy this at all. Hmm. Um, after the first thirty, forty minutes, because this is also like a two-ish. It might be slightly over two. It's right around two hours long. So each of these sections is like thirty to forty minutes. Wow. And it's almost exclusively about one thing. There's one other thing I want to talk about, which I loved. Um, (laughs) So after murdering, like, what seems like every criminal in this entire city, uh, he's like, yeah, I'm going to go back to London. And that's when he doesn't tell his crew. Like, his crew's like, hey, man, you might want to think this through. I feel like you need to take a break. You're going crazy. So he, he says he's going back to London. There's a second scene after he, like kills the post malone gang post malone boys (laughs) where his car is getting hit again this is the the third car that i'm talking about getting getting hit in three months and um he just like walks out the back of this truck and takes like the scarf off of his face because they were blowing gas into the truck and telling them to get out yeah and then they all run away 
And it mm-hmm. turns out you find out later that that was his gang hitting this truck. But he's the crime lord. So when he said he was going to London and just did this on his own, has he not been communicating with the gang that he is the, the clearly the boss of? Right. And where they ran away because they were scared because they were going up against they realized their boss? No, he was still their boss. He was just like trying to lay low. Oh, okay. So he had clearly never told his current crew that he was doing this. Yeah, yeah, clearly. <laughs> and now when a big deal was made in the beginning of the movie that they couldn't plan the crime without him, uh, they kind of try to make him a victim of a circumstance, but again, it doesn't work because you're perpetuating this same crime yourself. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's not supposed to be scouting out the place that he's scouting out. Right, right. And they make it clear, like, we can't do this out without you. We need your input, blah, 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 blah. Well, what about, like, five months later or three months later? Yeah, yeah. You're just, like, not talking to your boss? You're not talking <laughs> to the godfather of your organization at all? It sounds like there's some holes. <laughs> yeah, there's some problems. <laughs> I've never seen you this worked up about a movie in a while. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I just... I took notes for once. So <laughs> I was like, I have to, this is real bad. Wow. I guess not as good as a racer reborn. It was not. Oh, that's a shame. And you know, the crazy thing, maybe you should watch it and tell me how wrong I am because it has, I feel like very high reviews on rotten tomatoes and IMDb for both critics and audience. Or yes. I don't think it might not be super high, but I feel like, I almost watched The Protégé, which is a full point lower on Amazon Prime. Right, right. And yeah, some, some people I follow on Letterboxd really like it. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, it could just be me. I could just have been annoyed by the lack of character development in an action movie. So I do have a question, because mm-hmm. one of the reviews here says that Josh Hartnett plays a character named, is it Boy Sweat Dave? Yep. <laughs> Boy Sweat Dave. <laughs> Okay, that's This movie was written by... The nicknames in this movie were written by an AI generator after I fed him a thousand Axe Body Spray commercials. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. Boy Sweat Dave. Yep. I didn't realize... I saw when I was, like, looking at the stuff for this movie after I watched it, I was like, who the hell was Josh Hartnett Mm -hmm. in this movie? I was like... First of all, I don't think I've seen him since, like, 2004. Right, I know. He hasn't been uh, doing much. Like, since, what, Pearl Harbor? I don't know. Is that the Uh, last big thing he was in? He's been doing some things, but, yeah, big things? Wow. Yeah. Um, I'm scrolling down 30 Days of Night. (laughs) I liked that, but that was still, like, in the 2000 aughts, wasn't it? That wasn't in the 2007. The 2010s, I don't really see anything. I always wanted to say that the, the aughts. <laughs> so yeah, I, I had no idea that was him. He plays the uh, kind of original partner who is, um, when he takes out that whole gang, he's still in training too. Like this is like his first week or something on the job. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the head trainer who ends up being the mole is supposed to be making drop and they're both in the truck. And Josh Hartnett is this, like, guy who talks tough but is really cowardly. Right, right. And he has a beard, so that's probably why I didn't recognize him. And I mm-hmm. kind of thought Josh Hartnett had, like, sandy blonde or brown hair, like light brown. And in this, it's, like, dark black. I mean, they can do that in the movies nowadays. I know, it's crazy. <laughs> do you think they CGI'd it, or was that, like, he was just method acting and dyeing his hair what he thought of security? Yeah, that- they hired James Cameron's team to uh, to change that color. This is Avatar level <laughs> practical makeup effects. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, I, I just looked it up. You'll be good to. You'll be happy to hear that Guy Ritchie, Jason Statham, and Josh Hartnett are returning, not for a sequel, but for a new movie together this year. Oh. O- Operation Fortune. I would watch it. I mean, I like Guy Ritchie. Yeah, yeah. Generally speaking. He's like a, a British poor man's Tarantino. <laughs> Are you ready to hear about my movie? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, thank you. Cause you have to. 
I mean, I um, just hit mute. That's true. So I went to a different route. I was very happy with the hippos and the rhinos at killing people. So I went with Did an you animal. Watch Dr. Doolittle? I watched Animals Attack movie, Dr. Doolittle 2, Death of the Doctor. No, I watched um, <laughs> <laughs> The Beasts Are on the Streets, a made-for-TV movie from 1978, back during the heyday of the disaster films, like Poseidon Adventure and Towering mm-hmm. Inferno, that sort of thing. <clears throat> this one has a wild plot. I guess a wild plot setup where there's this zoo and you kind of meet a bunch of the zookeepers and some of the characters that work at the zoo and, you know, typical disaster movie. It's setting up all these different people for when the disaster happens, you have different people you care about. And there's this truck driver who's clearly like the worst truck driver in the world who can't handle these uh, guys that cut him off. And he's driving this big tanker truck of flammable stuff. And eventually disaster, Eventually, he has like a heart attack while driving because he gets scared on the freeway. And his car, his truck drifts off to the side of the road and plows through the zoo fence, dragging like two miles of the zoo fence off, like knocking it all down, releasing all the zoo animals into the city. (laughs) That's the plot hook. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. So you got, and it's real zoo animals. You got ostriches running through the streets. You got rhinos pushing cars, elephants stepping on cars. Got these lions and tigers like running around. And uh, so eventually they spread out from the traffic jam into the actual city. And the movie's about these characters trying to get all the animals back into the zoo. So it's a lot of vignettes of like, you know, you have this kid trying to lasso an ostrich that winds up in his backyard. <laughs> and you have um, <clears throat> like this outdoor uh, carnival that is attacked by a bear and a tiger. And the bear goes into the wading pool and starts chasing these two people on one of those little duck boats with the paddles. <laughs> and like it's real animals like chasing people. And I'm like, wow, in the 70s, they didn't. Had no, they did not care. <laughs> These, what movie is it that there's all those stories about um, lions? I believe it could be tigers yeah. in Africa, like just attacking the cast relentlessly in this like big time movie. Yep, Roar, Roar. Yeah, I almost, I almost watched that, but I didn't think it quite fit. I wanted some rhinos, so I picked this one. Yeah, Roar is notorious for that, and it was made with, uh, well. We'll talk about that on a later podcast, I'm sure. But for now, the beasts are on the streets. Does focus on the big cats? They're kind of the main characters. The The big cats are uh, loose. There's a lion. There's a tiger. There's a cub, and we kind of follow them around. And um, there's some hunters that are like trying to bag the lion, (laughs) and it kills one of them. And and then the hunter accidentally shoots his son. This is the funniest part. The hunter accidentally shoots his son while they're trying to hunt this lion. And the mom, of course, was like, son, don't go out with your dad to fight this lion. And the dad's like, he's got to be a man. You know, he's got to make his own decisions. Of course, the son goes out and then gets shot by the dad. He's having life-threatening surgery at the hospital. Guess who wanders into the hospital? (laughs) One of the tigers wanders into the hospital, into the (laughs) operating room. The wanders into the operating room <laughs> while they're doing this surgery. Uh, it's just like crazy stuff. Uh, of course, the one of the lions winds up in the house of the daughter of one of the zookeepers. So, you know, you got this big scene where they're trying to get there in time to rescue her. Uh, definitely, Peta was not involved with this one. <laughs> <laughs> And definitely, um, this movie may have spawned PETA, it sounds like, <laughs> right? And you know, this it's not like cannibal holocaust, you know, animal harm, but there's definitely <laughs> clearly exploitation of animals, you know, they're definitely like scaring animals, chasing them through urban environments. Um, so it's a spectacle, it's not a very good movie. Uh, it's really if it didn't have 
real animals, it would be kind of like a throwaway boring thing. But because it has real animals, you get that kind of like, wow, they'll never make this again, sort of vibes from it. So I enjoyed that part. Felt bad for some of the animals, but also felt really bad for some of the humans too. (laughs) (laughs) Having to, to like, there's this one scene where some guy gets like really mauled by a tiger. I'm like, man, hope that guy was one of the trainers. He wasn't just some extra that happened to get attacked by one of the tigers that was wandering around in the street. So, uh, yeah, uh, the beasts are on the streets. Apparently when it came out, it was a pretty big, uh, big event. And now it's kind of uh, forgotten about. So, yeah, I'd never heard of it, but I kind of want to watch it. Yeah. I'd recommend it. So I got my fill of rhinos. I'm happy. I don't think there is such a thing as a fill of rhinos. That's true. <laughs> Hundreds of rhinos. Are we still talking about rhinos? <sighs> rhinos, just firm horns. That's all I got. Do not want. <laughs> all right. I think, uh, I think that should be it for this episode. And Eric, I think it's about time we took a little break to regroup for season three of Such Tights to See. Oh, the podcast. The podcast, yeah. We're gonna re- we, need, we need some time to rebrand everything. I ordered gonna... all of these t-shirts. I know, I know. And clearly, we wear them every time we record an episode. I'm going to burn my Such Sights to See t-shirt. Get Into ready. your skin, right? We're, yes. we're going through the branding, the literal yes. branding. Mm-hmm, Yep. I gotta okay. stop painting podcasts. This is this is painful. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, the Poke cast returning soon. Um, for the first time. For the first time. It won't be a long break, I'm sure. In the meantime, Eric, is there anything you'd like to plug? Yes. Uh, so I finally got on Letterboxd. Yes. 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 Just in time to take a break. Yes. So you can follow me at Normal Monkey. oh god oh i I sincerely hope that you actually use your letterbox and have that title oh man i do i do please follow me Uh, apparently i've had letterbox for some time um because i do have some movies rated on there so okay all right well i look forward to actually following you this is very exciting you can follow me the better monkey the better monkey. I'm Lauren Long Monkey. You're a normal monkey. Oh, this is great. I'm very happy. <laughs> but um, I guess until Pogcast, you can check out my other projects at proleary.com. And then, Eric, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for season two. You're welcome. And everyone else, thanks for listening. Have a good night and sweet dreams. Of monkeys. Yeah. <laughs>